Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mintz. Today... It is game week officially. The Jayhawks kick off the regular season on Friday night. As of right now, it looks like I'm actually going to be in the house for that particular game. So I am very, very, very excited um, to help me get us started off right. We are doing a mailbag this week. Uh, I've been pushing it on Twitter. But Kyle Davis, a uh, writer over at Rock Chalk Talk, is joining me so we can answer all of the questions you guys sent in. There's actually... A couple more than I thought they were going to be, and there's a nice wide variety of topics, so let's get to it. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, it's good to be back. It's been a while, but I'm glad you know you had to, I'm sorry you had to scrape through the bottom of the guest list for me, <laughs> but I appreciate it, and we'll make the best of it. No, no, no. I intentionally wanted to bring on someone from Rock Shark Talk. You were actually the first person to jump in uh, to go ahead and do this, along with Mike, so... Um, but you know, I'm going to have Mike on every single week throughout the entire football season. So I want to make sure I got some, some other voice from rock talk talk on here as well. And it's always great to have you Kyle ready for this season. Um, before we jump into the actual mailbag itself though, I did want to kind of just ask what your general thoughts are for this season. What are you looking forward to the most? Well, it's tough because especially with the new regime coming in, like there's the, there's the you know, blissful optimism that maybe it'll be different this time, but no one really knows. And honestly, you know, Leipold's kind of behind the gun here. We're just starting late and everything like that. Um, you know, I love seeing what uh, what I'm reading out of Devin Neal and Camp and, and some of the other uh, guys like on the offensive line that maybe is going to be improved. So a little bit of optimism, but I think it's it's, you know, I think we know what to expect. It's a new regime. We have hope, but I think, uh, you know, the win-loss record is not going to be the judge of success. It's going to be the, more of an eye test. Okay, or do they look completely outmatched? Or are what we're seeing and what we're hearing about the things about, you know, over the summer, the team, you know, putting on, you know, hundreds of pounds of muscle and the new strength coach getting in there and, like, the, the change in attitude and discipline and all this stuff that sounds great. Like, what are we going to be able to actually see on the field? And and I don't expect it to result in, you know, five or six wins in this first season, but I just want to see something that resembles uh, competence and maybe uh, a few less punting on fourth and one in around midfield would also be a nice change of pace. Oh gosh. I mean, that'd be a huge win if we have a coach who refuses to punt on fourth and one when you're down by two scores with, you know, 10 minutes left, um, you know, at, at midfield, like that would be absolutely fantastic for some reason. We just can't stop getting coaches that will do that. So, uh, but yeah, no, I am definitely looking forward to it. This is a great season, uh, like a lot of optimism potentially there with Lance Leipold. And, you know, kind of the the circumstances when he came in, I think the best part about that is that there's literally no expectations for this team coming into the season. Like even the, you know, the, I guess even the most unrealistic KU fan cannot expect Kansas to win more than one game. 
like like that's the rosiest prediction in terms of what you can actually expect and be upset about. If they go zero and twelve, like you could you could reasonably come up with some reason to be upset about why you know they weren't able to win the game against South Dakota. But it's also going to be really easy, I think, to justify that based off of the circumstances that came in. So there's literally no expectations for Lance Leipold and the staff and this roster at this point, other than you want to see them get better throughout the year. Like, you know, the only way you can get super upset at this at this team is if it starts off bad against South Dakota and then just gets worse. And at which point it's like then you can realistically say, hey, this was not the kind of season that we expected to have. There is too much talent on the roster for them to have no development and to have, you know, no positive signs throughout the entire year. But I also don't think it's even possible that that's actually going to happen. Yeah, and that's where, too, you know, the, the eye test kind of comes in and you want to make sure that you're right, that you should look better in November than you do in September, especially given just the, the how things have started and just the, I mean, this group of coaching, this coaching staff has put behind the eight ball to begin with, which is not having the spring practices and, right. and, you know, so much time to adjust. I think the big thing too, is if you're really looking for next year too, I think the quarterback position is one that you would love to feel a little more certain after this year that, you know, you know, whether that is Daniels ultimately winning it out or, um, uh, you know, if we've got, uh, 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 Jason Bean, the North Texas transfer, you know, he's a junior. So ideally if you could feel good about, you know, him keeping and holding a job and hopefully not getting injured throughout a year to then, you know, what you're getting next year, it would just be nice, especially to not have to have that question circling around August of who's going to be the quarterback coming out of camp this year. Yeah. I mean, there's even miles Kendrick, like, you know, for this year, like if he's going like, to, th- that's the only way I think you could come out of this year with not really knowing who's going to be next year. Cause this is Kendrick's last year, but if he, you know, all indications a couple weeks ago were that miles Kendrick was the leader in the clubhouse. So if he's the guy that starts the majority of the year, you theoretically could have questions, but you'd have to think that they are going to have a good idea of who they want to be leading the team next year, whether it's Daniels or Bean. Um, just based off of practices, because Kendrick isn't going to get all the reps, even if he is, you know, the first team quarterback for the entirety of the season. Uh, he won't get all the reps. He won't be the only guy that they look at. So we will definitely see some of the other players doing some things. And I would hope you're right. We would have some sort of idea of who it is going to be next year based off of whatever development we are able to see for this year. So, all right. So let's go ahead and jump directly into the mailbag. Uh, we do have uh, the, the first question we have actually came from Jayhawk fan on Twitter. Um, it's underscore a, or I'm sorry, it's at a underscore Jayhawk. He says, which player do you think gets a pick six first? And, you know, there are some decent options there. I have my ideas about, about two potential candidates, but I am curious, Kyle, who do you think is going to be the first Jayhawk to get a pick six? I mean, I, I, I hope that we get a pick six first of all, after, after just kind of what we've seen the last couple of years, I know. And, and, it's interesting because there's so much turnover in the uh, in the secondary this year. I know that uh, Mike did a good job kind of breaking down what that projected, you know, too deep looks like and some of the new faces and who to kind of uh, who to kind of look for. I I hate to be the first one because I do like and I know this is a name that I've seen is getting a lot of love is uh, OJ Burroughs, but I'm not sure that he's going to start at the uh, the year, but. Um, you know, maybe I'll go, I'll go Jeremy Webb. He's a, he's a, you know, he's an experienced guy. He's a senior, I believe, uh, coming in. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go with Webb, but honestly, I think there's a couple of guys to your point who could be, uh, in there. And honestly, it, it'll be interesting. This is one of those areas too, where I'm curious to see how much growth and change there is in the secondary from September to November, similarly. And I'm, I'm kind of less worried about who stands out early and what that group's going to look like during big 12 play late in the year. Yeah. I mean, I I do think that somebody will get a pick six. Um, You know, I do think that this defense is probably a lot better than most people are going to give them credit for. And especially the secondary. Like, I I think that this is actually a legitimately good secondary. It is definitely young, Um, but there are a lot of guys, you know, who are coming back. that got some good experience last year that played fairly well in, in the time that they did play. You know, Kenny Logan Jr. is the big guy I think that everybody is is familiar with. Um, but another name is Jacoby Bryant. You know, he's been getting rave reviews in camp. He's the guy that, you know, steps in. And, and, and if Karan Prunty was was back this year, then those would be two lockdown corners on either side uh, of this defense. It would make it really difficult for opponents to really throw. I've heard a lot of people 
you know, that have been able to witness practice are saying that Jacoby Bryant has been more impressive in practice than Karan Prunty was last year. And so, like, I do think that there's a really, really good opportunity that Bryant is able to get a pick six, kind of surprise some people, especially early in the season. You know, I, I get the feeling that that game against Duke is probably going to be a game that's fairly similar to, like, what we saw against Rutgers. Um, yes, it's not going to be at home, so they won't get that benefit. Um, but, you know, it's definitely one of those things where, there are some opportunities early in the season for Kansas to get some defensive touchdowns. And, and I do think that someone's going to get them. If I had put money on it, it would probably be either Jacoby Bryant or Kenny Logan Jr. Because we've seen, we, we've seen what Logan can do. You know, he had, he had a, a, a few good picks at the end of last season. He had that punt ret- or that kickoff return for a touchdown. Like He's had a lot of really good highlight plays. We know he has speed. We know he has good ball awareness skills. So it really is just a matter of, of who was able to get it first. But even if they're not able to get it in those you know first four or five games, I still think there's going to be opportunities, especially late in the games, late in the season, where you know even if the game's kind of out of reach, someone could jump up and grab one. Uh, I just I just think it has to be one of those two guys. It's probably the most likely. But I mean, overall, we'll, we'll kind of turn this into a thought about the overall defense. Like, are you are you expecting this defense to take a big step forward? Because last year, I think we saw that the defense was obviously the 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 strength of the team. You know, given that there was a actual strength of the team, but like I almost think that they're going to have to be able to step up and be at least as good as they were last year or even better for this team to have a chance to get, you know, more than one win. Uh, so, I mean, are you expecting this this defense to take that step up and ask us actually have an opportunity to be talking about how good this defense could be? I think I think you're it's probably there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of context, too. Right. And I think you are right that there's not going to be a lot of people we're ready to like hold the defense up and praise them uh, at the beginning of the year, just because it's Kansas. And, you know, I like, I think to your point, they are more talented than they're going to get credit for. Uh, and I am interested to see just this, the, the Buffalo scheme kind of coming over here um, and how that can go. And also the, the move back to, right. We're going back to a four, three, if I've, if I've read everything I'm hearing correctly after going to the three, four. And so right. that's where, that's one of those things too, like maybe that, that, takes a little bit of time to just get everybody schematically uh, in the right place. But I do think the the secondary is going to be dangerous. The key is going to be obviously pressuring the quarterback because no matter how good your secondary is, if you're giving big 12 quarterbacks, you know, 10 seconds in the pocket to, you know, just like whistle and find an open receiver eventually uh, it's not going to work. So I'm really interested to see the linebacking crew and, uh, and defensive ends and see what kind of pressure, they can get because then I think if you do just add a little bit of urgency on on the opposing offense, then you're right. Like there's some athleticism within that secondary, you know, especially someone like Jacoby Bryant that I think could be interesting to watch him shine as long as the quarterback doesn't have all day to throw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities. It's going to be, I think, really interesting to kind of see how all this how all of this turns out, but. um yeah, I mean, there were a ton of defensive highlights last year in terms of those sorts of, of plays, mainly because, you know, Kansas didn't really get a fantastic opportunity to, to actually go ahead and do that. Um, you know, last year you had you had some really, really interesting plays from a bunch of different people, but um, the, the defense didn't get a lot of opportunities for those for those scoring plays because when Kansas was able to actually get turnovers, um, you know, they usually weren't in a position on the field where they could actually run all the way back, so... Um, all right, but let's go ahead really quick before we move on to the next question. You know, we were talking about pick sixes, um, but I do want that's actually the, the perfect opportunity to talk about the sponsor for, for the podcast. Um, you know, we we talked about it last week. Our sponsor for the entirety of football season, at least, um, is, is Symbol. It, it, it is a stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks. You can earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol blends Sports in the stock market offers you a new way to invest in and profit off of your favorite teams. So you can use your sports knowledge to buy, you know, buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts when your teams win. Um, they are offering a very special giveaway to the entirety of the 1012 network and specifically us here at the Rock Chalk Podcast. Um, they're going to hold a drawing to give away two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. All you have to do is go sign up for Symbol, make a $25 deposit using promo code CHALK12, and you'll be entered for a chance to win two tickets to your favorite team's game this season. That's symbol www.simbull.app. You can create a free account, and when you deposit twenty five bucks, you know use that promo code chalk twelve, and you'll get entered for the uh, for the chance to win the two tickets. We also over on there, you can you can you know add teammates, and so you can kind of take a look at what everyone's doing, and 
and see how people are doing. Uh, they also have pick three competitions where you go and you make three picks every single week. Uh, we have a group there for the 1012 network. I highly encourage you guys to go ahead and jump on there and get involved. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. So, all right. So now let's jump into our next question. This one actually comes from longtime commenter over on the site. Uh, he actually left us a video message here, so I'm going to go ahead and play it. Um, this is probably has to be my favorite mailbag question ever, by the way. So let's let's get right to it. Hey, I'm uh, curious. How do you think the uh, how do you think conference realignment will affect uh, the Olive Garden in Manhattan? Um, I know it's a big recruiting tool for the Wildcats, so I'm just wondering how that's how you think that's going to shake out. So that question was from our good friend over at Rock Talk Talk. Definitely not Clint Bowen. Um, you know, it, it is a, it is a very very good point. And Kyle, I am going to ask you here your particular thoughts on this because you know I, I don't remember exactly which thread it came up in, but you know there was there was a, definitely a bunch of Kansas State people who were very very happy about the ability of for them to pull in big recruits using the Olive Garden that they have over there in Manhattan. So, um, I mean, how how worried should they be? about the fact that realignment is coming and, and could potentially be a big issue for them. Well, I, I guess, first of all, just uh, you got to feel a little bad for the management over that Olive Garden, because not only have you been putting up with COVID and just all of the uncertainty and challenges over the last 18 months, but now you've got the realignment, you know, hanging over your head. So that's just, that's rough. Uh, and first, I just think, you know, just hats off to them for, for keep doing what they're doing. Uh, and I think a lot of it is going to it's going to depend on the landing spot. Right. If You go to the Pac-12 and you're and you've got uh, guys who are within the conference, you know, taking visits to L.A. and Seattle, even Tucson. And then you got Manhattan and the Olive Garden. That Olive Garden's not going to look quite as impressive as maybe as it once did. Now, if you get, you know, if something happens where K-State ends up in the American and you're you're hanging out around the same area as um, you know Memphis and East Carolina, and no disrespect to any of them, or uh, you know Cincinnati. You know, then, then, then maybe that continues to hold up as a decent recruiting tool for you. I mean, the, the no matter what conferences, those breadsticks are not going to get any less uh, available and tasty. The salad's not going to stop ending. The pasta is still you know going to be flowing. So I think they will make do with what they need to do, but you gotta you gotta feel like it's not gonna you know they're not sleeping easier now with all of this hanging over their head it's again it's not like they don't have enough to worry about and so you know you just gotta you gotta find ways to make a i guess that olive garden experience a little more creative you gotta step up your game for your in dining experience to really wow those players and make it less about the olive garden itself and just really the ambiance of the manhattan olive garden yeah, exactly. You know, I, I will say I don't I don't think that the Olive Garden in Manhattan is in any threat of actually going under because of this. It just means that there won't be quite as many very big football players coming in to eat the never ending pasta, you know, during recruiting season. So, um, you know, it definitely, though, <laughs> to to. OK, I'm sorry that that was absolutely hilarious. But to move on to actually realignment itself, because I think this is the kind of the perfect segue into the realignment discussion. Um, you know, there was a bunch of news that came out. Um, kind of over the weekend or or the end of last week that the Big 12 has kind of started to look at potential expansion targets, which, you know, you can you can talk about what the timing of all this is going to be, because, you know, there's some people that think that it's going to have to wait until after Texas and Oklahoma actually officially leave um, other people that are that are kind of of the mind that you could actually start, you know, as soon as next year, even be thinking about, you know, who who to bring in and start that competition, because, Oklahoma and Texas are not going to be able to block any kind of expansion talk. So, if, you know, if you're looking at trying to like lock down potential targets and and really kind of stabilize the conference before Oklahoma and Texas get out of here and stop competing, then that is definitely a possibility that you could do. Um, I guess my my question for you, do you think it's more likely now that the Big 12 expands and that everybody who's currently remaining in the Big 12 is going to be here with whoever else they bring in? Or, or do you think that those sorts of conversations don't really change the trajectory of a lot of these programs that are potentially looking at other possible conferences as, as a landing spot? Yeah, I don't think it changes too much outside of the fact, like, you know, I think and there's been some talk out there and there's been, you know, reporting and rumors or whatnot that there's a handful of Big 12 schools that this expansion of the Big 12 is their top choice. And then there are another handful of schools where, you know, maybe they have their sites elsewhere. And so I think this is more of a keeping your option open. And I don't know necessarily, 
the addition of some schools, uh, you know, there's, I think as we've learned this, this is a pretty volatile just time and place to where, you know, I, just a couple months ago, everyone was feeling pretty good. And then Texas and Oklahoma just completely, you know, pulled the rug out from everyone. So I don't, I don't, I think that uh, putting all your eggs in one basket is probably not the preferred choice by many of these athletic departments and universities. And so I would not be surprised if it's both a, sure, let's see where we can expand and how we can maybe, you know, get some more stability uh, and growth within the big 12, but also we're not going to stop having this side conversation, you know, texting the big 10 at 11 o'clock at night saying, you got what you guys doing uh, just because, you know, maybe Houston and BYU are interested all of a sudden. And of course, it's all going to be TV deal related too, and that's going to be the big question anyway. Is just, you know, how how that's all going to shake out and 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 everything coming up with the grant of rights and whatnot. So yeah, I don't think this changes a whole lot, except you know, I think it would be kind of negligent for an, uh, a university to not at least have multiple options and conversations open just to to see what happens, so that you're not the one left in the dust. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and we'll actually kind of talk about the TV deal and what that potentially could look like and what other options there might be here in just a minute. Cause we do have another question about that, but I did want to kind of jump on, on what you were talking about there, that this doesn't necessarily close down any opportunities. And, you know, it was widely reported that uh, the, the Texas tech and Baylor ADs uh, Kirby Hillcutt and, and Mac Rhodes uh, along with the Kansas and Iowa state presidents or chancellor for, for Kansas in, in Doug Gerard. And then I forget the name of the Iowa State new president. Um, I, f- I forget what her name is. But those four are, you know, it, the expansion subcommittee. And, and there was a lot of people that are like, oh, my gosh, does this mean that, you know, Iowa State and Kansas are now, you know, kind of locked in on the Big 12? And really what it comes down to is, you know, it, and, and I actually tweeted about this right after I saw the news. This reads a whole lot more to me like a, you know, this is our fallback plan. If, if it's truly going to be a fallback plan that we can stomach, we need to make sure that we're in the discussions so that if we're inviting new people, you know, and have to, you know, and actually have to stick around in the big 12, that these are teams that we are comfortable being affiliated with, that this is like a solution that we can actually stomach. It may not be our preferred solution, but it's at least a fallback option that we can be okay with if, you know, what is our first choice doesn't actually come through because I, I still fully believe that Kansas is as laser focused in on getting into the Big Ten as they possibly can. Um, obviously, a lot of discussions still have to happen. There, you know, there, I still feel pretty good that that is a it is is a realistic possibility still at this point. But you know, with so much uncertainty between now and twenty twenty five, you know, first number one being when are Oklahoma and Texas actually going to leave and go start playing in the SEC? Like, I'm not really sure at this point you know, when that's going to happen or what that time frame is. And it would be stupid of a team or of, of conferences like the big, like the big 10 or the PAC 12 to at this point be talking about taking schools that we have no idea when they're actually going to be available. Because I can tell you right now, Kansas can't afford to pay a buyout. Iowa state can't afford to pay the buyout. I mean, like it's, it's like $80 million. Oklahoma and Texas are going to have a hard time paying the buyout. And they've already talked about sticking around until 2025 to try to avoid having to pay an extra buyout. So it's one of those things where, you know, Kansas and Iowa State and some of these other schools that may potentially be really big targets of these other conferences aren't available yet. They've got to figure all of that out. And because I can tell you right now, none of those conferences want to help pay a buyout for a team that could potentially be available for them to expand for free in another three or four years. You know, that's that's why a team like BYU right now is being such hotly talked about in all of the expansion talk for the Big 12 is because they are an independent. They don't have any buyouts. They don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. It's one of those no-brainers that BYU, you know, is a very easy ad for anybody that actually wants to add them. Yes, there's other logistical issues to worry about, um, but you can definitely, you know, add them without having to pay anybody to let them go because the only thing they have right now is an ESPN contract that they're not nearly making nearly as much, um, you know, but they can still... Theoretically, they can actually still fulfill fulfill the details of that contract at this point because it gets folded into the current Big Twelve contract. So it's you know it's easily one of those things where um, you know that's an, that's an easy sell, an easy possibility for the Big Twelve to expand and not really ruffle too many feathers. But I mean, Kyle, what are your thoughts about the potential expansion targets that we've been hearing about? I, I you know I've heard that Houston, as much as everybody is pushing Houston, a lot of fans are pushing Houston. I don't even know it's necessarily Houston's academics or their athletics or anything, but there's some administrators that deal with Houston and some board members that a lot of people just rub the wrong way with. And and so it might be kneecapping Houston's ability to actually be able to get into the Big 12 or something like that. But of of all the potential 
expansion candidates have been floating out there. Which ones do you think are the most likely or would bring the most value to the Big 12? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, and just to end on the, on the last conversation too, I do think there's a reason why you want to be more proactive in this if you're the Big 12, because there is a scenario then when, you know, right now you have the upper hand if you are the Power 5 conference that is, you know, looking to add, whereas, you know, there's talk that if this really goes south, you know, the American could end up absorbing the final Big 12 teams and then you're the one who's, who's you know, on the on the lower hand there. And so I do think there's, there's a lot of... Uh, valid reasons why they would want to take this look. And so as for like suitors, you know, I Houston does make a lot of sense because obviously a lot of this is all about market, right? There's, <laughs> there's no reason why the big 10 added Rutgers other than they wanted into that New York city uh, market. And those, those number of televisions, like Rutgers is athletic programs or anything else was not, was not why the big 10 sought them. So I think, you know, the, those teams like Cincinnati make sense of that. Just another, it's a fairly large market that you're not currently tapped into. I get why Houston did would, would make sense because of the Houston market. BYU is interesting just because it, BYU does have a pretty passionate and I think fairly um, like broad fan base, just uh, geographically given the, the religious affiliation. So that does make some sense there. And then, you know, Memphis from a from a geography location standpoint makes some sense too, and you know it's a decent market. But again, um, there's I don't at this point, you know, to, and kind of what you were hitting on, Andy. I don't think there is really any perfect, you know, suitors out there right. uh, for you. You're you're taking kind of the best and it's going to check off. You know, if you've got like five or six criteria of you know market location athletic stature, all that kind of stuff. I don't know how many are out there that check all those boxes, but I think you can find some decent ones between a BYU, Cincinnati, Memphis. I know some of the other more West schools, like I think Mike was on the board of, of getting like Nevada on there. You know, I, I think some of those make sense. I think if I was looking now, I think, yeah, some combination of BYU and then trying to maybe get a little more East, either with like a Cincinnati or Memphis, if, if Houston doesn't work out for political or other reasons are, are probably where you're going to have to go. Yeah. I think a lot of it depends too on how many they actually decide to take, because if you're just trying to get back to 10 for right now, just to, you know, stabilize, Hey, this is the same amount of inventory that we're going to be giving you under, you know, uh, operating under the assumption that Oklahoma and Texas leave next year, then you still need, you need, you need to have additional teams in order to give the amount of inventory um, theoretically anyway, uh, that, you know, you would have to give for those ESPN contracts. But, what it does allow you to do that. So like there you would need to bring in, say like a BYU and a Cincinnati or something like that. Um, you know, it, it also is, if you want to then expand upon that and take even more, then you could throw in some other, you know, some other ones. Personally, I'm, you know, I think that UCF is probably a very, very good candidate on someone to take just because, you know, you get that central Florida, um, you know, they have a gigantic alumni base. Like they have tons of students. They're a gigantic university, um, you know, and, and kind of what's going to be driving, this potential next TV deal that they're going to have. I, I think it's not just going to be the number of television sets, but also, you know, streaming and, and there's going to be a bunch of other things. And, you know, you did talk about how the big 10 got into Rutgers because they wanted those, those television markets there. Um, I do think though, it's a little bit different this time around. It's not going to be nearly as, as TV focused because there's a lot of people that are cutting the cord on cable and kind of going to more streaming options. So there's going to be, I think a different valuation for how that potentially works. It's not necessarily going to be where the biggest, people or where the biggest population center is that your school is coming from. It's also going to be how many people you can bring online and things like that. But there's definitely a lot of opportunities, a lot of different schools that, that the, the big 12 can talk to. And, and I think ultimately what's most important is just making sure that Kansas, you know, if they're going to stick around in a big 12, it's going to be a big 12 that the, that, that Kansas is okay with. And that's really what's most important for them, which is why, you know, Gerard is on the committee there because he wants to make sure that this is actually going to be something that we can stick around in that we can feel good about. Um, all right. I did want to yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say too, I think the, one of the selling points for some of these schools we've mentioned too, just is because they are not just football schools and that you're not losing the basketball element. I know that everyone only wants to talk about football here, but right. I think basketball, you know, especially as it's Kansas is concerned. Cause I think, you know, CJ Moore had a great 
article out there about how Kansas and Kentucky are the exceptions when it comes to basketball uh, programs getting basically football type, you know, ratings and coverage and everything. And right. so I think the big 12 historically, you know, I don't, I'm guessing Kansas would not want to see uh, the big 12 go into a, a more of a, you know, mid major level type <laughs> basketball type league. And so having someone like a BYU or a Memphis or even Cincinnati, who is not quite to their levels, but have had, have shown competence on the basketball court at least and, and are not just football schools uh, has to be probably something that's fairly attractive to especially a Kansas or an Iowa State. Yeah, the other thing to kind of jump back to what you had said previously about, you know, Kansas still being a power five and would probably be better than than some of these other conferences. You know, the Big 12, regardless of losing Oklahoma and Texas, still has that autonomy designation that, that, that the NCAA has given them in that they can they are part of that group that gets to kind of make some of their own rules. You know, they have a little bit more power than some of these other conferences. So that is going to be, you know, even if they're not necessarily making the guaranteed money right now, because we don't know what that next TV deal is going to look like, there are still definitely advantages to being in the Big 12. And the Big 12 is not going to lose that designation. It's not something that the NCAA is looking at, you know, renewing or like it's it's a you have been designated as an autonomous five power conference. You have this ability to do all this stuff. And it's not like they're going to go revoke it. Because let me tell you, the first time that the NCAA tries to revoke one of those, I think the other conferences are going to be a little upset. The Pac-12 probably won't let them do it because you could make similar arguments about the Pac-12 schools um, compared to, you know, a revamped Big 12. Theoretically, the ACC could run into some sort of those same issues. So, like, you're not going to find a situation where the conference as an entity, as long as they remain an entity, is going to lose those extra powers and that extra autonomy that they've been able to get. So, all right, I did want to jump over. We do have... Another couple questions here, but before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to a quick break so we can talk about some of the other podcasts here on the network. We will be right back on the Rock Talk Podcast. Are you a Big 12 basketball obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your Big 12 basketball information? Look no further because Midwest Madness is here just for you. We talk men's and women's basketball all year long. With exclusive interviews, guests that come on to talk about each team, game recaps once the season begins, and so much more content you won't know what to deal with. So for all of your Big 12 basketball needs, Midwest Madness is your place to go. Listen on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And we're back. All right, so... The next question that we have, I'm, I'm, I'm here with Kyle Davis of Rock Chalk Talk joining me. We're, we're running through the mailbag. We have a, a, just a couple more questions. Um, both of them, or actually all of them, coming from, from Jeshua Van Sickle over on Twitter. Uh, but this is kind of the, the first bit, and it extends what we were talking about previously. Uh, you know, he, he says, one way or another, streaming will be the future of sports. In your opinion, what platform does it best now and what really needs to improve? So before we talk about who's going to streaming and what kind of that we'll potentially look at, you know, if I'm looking at which which uh, you know which which entities right now that are doing the streaming sports are actually doing it well, it's hard for me to actually say that there is any entity right now that's actually doing it well. <laughs> um, ESPN Plus, I think, is the one who has the most online streaming sports, but I don't know that they necessarily do it particularly well. There's all kinds of technical issues. You know, we all know the ESPN Plus only games you know that, that Kansas basketball has had have been plagued with problems all kinds of issues and of course you know online streaming only works and having games only on the online streaming only works if you're in an area that has really good internet connection so you know do you do you agree with my with my sentiments there or is there a streaming platform right now that you think does sports particularly well and I think no I, I agree with you and I guess the other point that I would throw out is like define well because you're you're right one of them is the technical aspects but the other is like do you want more you know like hulu obviously is i think everyone has seen the fifty thousand ads about hulu has live sports you know a lot of it is is you know navigability i guess and and technical but also just the variety of offering because i mean that's the thing and i think this will kind of get into what we're going to talk about next but you know basically a lot of the streaming giants out there in terms of like where the majority of the games are living are just the streaming avenue of the major networks it's you know fox sports it's nbc or peacock it's espn or or paramount plus now with cbs like outside of hulu and youtube tv showing some games and having some of the rights there there's not a whole it's basically kind of like an extension almost of 
just whatever network you're on. But yeah, I agree that it's still, I think we're still so new into the streaming uh, era that it's, it, there's a lot of kinks to work out. And I think it's gonna be, it's going to be tough to figure out exactly what people want. And, uh, you know, now we're to the point too, where it's just it's streaming in general. There are so many of them now that are vying for options that you're going to have to get three or four of them to watch everything you want. And, um, you know, Fox sports in particular is kind of challenging because you either have to have the Fox sports app, if it's something that's on Fox or FS1, but then it's, you know, the Fox sports go, if you want something that's on the regional networks and all that. So no, I don't think anyone's really figured out, the best way to kind of streamline all of this. I will say as a, as a soccer fan, like Peacock's the early return on the premier league stuff has been pretty great so far. So I will shout them out, but yeah, I, I think to your point, there's no one that's done it, done it great. That's kind of the, uh, the poster child at this point. Yeah. The, the other thing to think about like Hulu is, was a joint venture between Fox, NBC and ABC, like when it first you know launched. Um, and so it was kind of borrowing, I think, a lot of their aspects. So when they did the sports, it is now essentially fully controlled by Disney um, and, you know, by proxy then ESPN. So a lot of the quality that you're seeing of the Hulu sports is is very, very close to what ESPN does. And I don't think the ESPN Plus does it particularly well. Um, you know, I'm grateful to be able to watch things like soccer games and, you know, other stuff that you don't normally get to watch on those ESPN Plus channels. But it is one of those things where, you know, the, the quality of the streams aren't necessarily that great. Um, you know, there's really not a lot of investment into those sorts of things. It's about just opening up inventory so that hoping that people will actually jump in there and want to watch those things where they couldn't before. You know, it's better than nothing, but it's not anything I would say is, you know, quality sports that would be up to the level of what you expect from a football broadcast or something like that. And so it's one of those things where, you know, the only big streaming players right now that are doing anything like Amazon is jumping in, I believe the from what I understand, Amazon does like one NFL game or, or maybe it's like one game a week for a certain period of time, or they might've, I don't remember exactly what, 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 what the details of it were, but they either are in it now or getting into it. Um, they were doing that Thursday night game. That, that's right. Too. That's what it was. Yeah. Last season they did the Thursday night games instead of what CBS used to do. Um, and so I, I would always watch them on NFL network, which is why I didn't realize that that's what it was. So, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, so it's one of those things where they have a track record of at least being able to do something and it's being, you know, a, a decent, I think, level of quality there, but they have some kinks to work out because they're so brand new. I do think ultimately if they decide to get into conference licensing for, you know, broadcast that they're, they're actually going to put in the money that you would need to do that. And I think they're one of the true players that has the possibility of being able to do that. The other one would be YouTube, like YouTube sports like online sports stuff would be absolutely phenomenal. I think, you know, they've, they've done a good job with the NBA stuff that they've done. I, I'm wondering if how willing and how eager they are to actually get into football, especially college football. So I'll be interested to see if that potentially happens, but you know, the problem I think, especially for football is that there's not a lot of track record for the streaming platforms of doing it well. And so thinking that a, a conference at this point is going to be comfortable getting into it with their primary distribution partner being a streaming service is, is just, I think it's a leap too far for me right now to think that that's actually going to happen. So that, that actually gets into, you know, what the second part of Jesuit's question was, was, you know, give, give some reckless speculation on which conference and streaming platform will put ink to paper next. And what will that look like? Um, so go ahead. Like, I, I'm going to let you jump in with your pot potential thoughts. I have some ideas of what that might look like. Um, but, but did you have anything that kind of jumps out to you immediately about that? Uh, I think what jumps out immediately is kind of going along with what you said is that I, I am struggling to see someone that's not tied to a major network like Amazon or YouTube jumping in first because of the, not only the investment of like, so then you're, you're basically, you know, you're hiring all of the teams and trying to poach the talent. And like, I don't know, you know, so, so for football, are you going to be able to lure away decent play-by-play -play talent from ESPN or Fox or, whoever right now. And just, I, I don't know if they, I think we're still too far away from like an exclusive Amazon deal with the, you know, pack 12 where it's, it's all Amazon, you know, they're not tapping in like a Hulu thing where it's tapping into ABC or NBC or anything. It's just there. Like, I, I, I think we're too far away from that. Cause again, that's a huge investment, not only just for the rights, but then for the, the talent and, and where you're going to find it and all that. I just, I don't see that coming. So I think, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how 
you know, like, and I don't know how how sustainable these these ACC network, uh, you know, Pac-12 network, SEC networks are within like ESPN or something. I think the Big Ten network has done a really good job so far as just like an unbiased view, and not just because Kansas could be, you know, getting into that at this point. Uh, you know, I mean, I think I made a joke uh, already that the Pac-12 network is just a figment of our imagination because right. like no one can actually ever watch it. Or see I know, it. so, it's so ridiculous. Even, even people on the West Coast can't find it. Like, it was really strange. You know, I was listening to like to like Gary Gary Parish uh, over on the the CBS the, the Ion Sports College Basketball Podcast over there, and like he was talking about how he can't see it. He know he has colleagues over that live over like in the Pac-12 network footprint that can't get access to it because the the, the distribution on it is absolutely horrible. And so, like, you know, I do think the one thing that's different and the reason the Big Ten Network is so successful compared to, like, the Pac-12 Network um, and even, like, the ACC Network is it's the only one that is a joint venture between the conference itself and the television network that is actually providing it. So Fox owns, I think, 49% of the network and the Big Ten owns 51. So, it's, it, I mean, it is a true joint venture between them. They're both invested in making sure that it does well because they both get money out of it, you know, and it's done well in that because they both have a vested interest in the actual performance of the network. It's not just somebody getting a paycheck, you know? Um, so it, it allows them to work collectively. And that's why Fox and the big 10 have such a good relationship that they do. Um, the PAC 12 network is done all in house. I think, you know, from what I heard when it was originally conceptualized, they didn't do the legwork that they needed to actually make it a super successful network and didn't really kind of know what they wanted to do with it. And so that hamstrung it from the beginning. And the ACC network is literally just ESPN saying, hey, we're going to take all of your third tier rights and we're going to throw them onto a network and give you this, you know, one essential channel. You know, the ACC saw how popular the SEC network was that the that ESPN has done. What they didn't realize, though, was that, you know, ESPN wasn't going to invest in the ACC network the same way that they did with, they, they did with the SEC network. And that's the biggest problem there. So... The SEC network, I think, is going to always it's going to continue to be super successful because it's ESPN's baby. They really, really, you know, enjoy working with SEC, and it basically prints money because of how much money that they've thrown into it. Um, but I don't know that ESPN has the ability to kind of, you know, jump into any other conference networks the same way that they do with the SEC network. So, um, but like to your point, you know, it's 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 interesting just how successful the Big Ten one is. It was the first conference network, and I think it was set up well. It was it was well thought through in terms of the business plan and how they wanted to do it. And I also just think that the Big Ten culturally culturally is different than most of the other conferences, which makes it a little bit easier for them to set up a network like that the way that it needs to be done. Yeah, and I think one of the problems that will just come to kind of fruition over the next few years uh, is just that it's the same thing like right so the 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 whole reason streaming started was because with cable people didn't want to pay absurd amounts to then have all the right. stuff that you know they, they want to just pick what they wanted well now you can just pick what you want but what you want might live in six different streaming networks so instead of right. paying 120 bucks to direct tv you're paying 20 bucks to six different ones and so i that will be interesting as that kind of evolves too like how much people are going to get fed up with just the okay, well, I have to have ESPN Plus for this, but then I have to have Peacock for this, and I have to have Fox Sports for this or whatever. And it'll by the time these next deals, I mean, everything changes so fast that by the time, you know, even 2025, take it for like the Big 12, it'll be interesting to see if there's a bit of a regression back to where we were before, where there's a little more bundling. And then, you know, they're already kind of doing that with the, you know, like a Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN kind of thing. Like, I wonder... Right. It'd be interesting. Whoever could do it, I think they'd if they want to get success, they'd have to find a way to kind of bundle back up so that it's not a just another thing you're going to get for the Big Twelve. Like if you can somehow pair it with some of the professional coverage or something else. That, but again, it's going to be unless it's tied to one of those main four, you know, networks of ABC, NBC, CBS, or Fox. It's going to be tough for someone like Amazon uh, or YouTube TV to break through. And then also having, because you could break through with one conference, but you, you'd have to break through with m more of a variety to make it worth it than just, you're going to charge people $9.99 a month just so they can watch Big 12. Now, some people, the people will do it, but that just kind of, you'd get your initial onslaught of the Midwest signing up, but then your growth capacity is, is basically nil. So that's, I think there's some big limitations that would be hindering anything like those kind of pipe dreams of Amazon picking up, you know, the Big 12 for you know, however many, you know, half a billion dollars or whatever for the next 10 years type of thing.
Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely one of those things where you'd have to find the right combination. And, and I also, you know, I think it's much more likely that we see a streaming service jump in, kind of similar to what CBS did with SEC, getting like the game of the week, where, you know, they were able to essentially get first pick whatever game that they wanted uh, and be able to put it on, you know, CBS's 2.30 in the afternoon time slot where it was like the game that they showed. Uh, you know, it's like, I think that that's the potential kind of baby steps that, that the streaming world will tend to, will eventually take. So something like Netflix or Amazon, you know, I, I, I worry about someone like Netflix trying to get in because Netflix doesn't do like live streaming stuff. You know, they have a lot of inventory of a lot of different things, but they haven't really done any of the live over the air in real time type streaming. Um, and so I find it interesting that so many people are throwing their name out there as potential when that's not what their business model is. And so, but like Amazon is someone that definitely could, Hulu theoretically could, you know, uh, YouTube TV could, like I could see s several of those potentially jumping in and wanting to do something like that and dipping their toes in there and, you know, kind of doing a proof of concept how that works. And I think the Big 12 would be well positioned to be able to do something like that because they do play very, very good football. You know, it's not it's not necessarily up to the level of that a lot of people think the SEC or the Big Ten is, but it's still a super entertaining product. There's lots of people that actually do watch it and enjoy watching it. Um, you know, so it's it's definitely one of those things where, you know, the Big Twelve is going to have to get creative in their next in their next media deal. We'll see. You know, assuming that they survive long enough to actually get to that next media deal, we'll we'll just kind of have to see what they do. But I do think that that I don't think any of the current conferences are going to do that because I don't think that any of the you know, group of five conferences right now are attractive enough to be where the streaming platforms jump in. But, and I don't think any of the power conferences are desperate enough right now to jump in with a streaming platform, you know, an unproven streaming platform to try to then start showing their games. So I yeah, think it's risky. It's really risky. Right. I think if, if anyone's going to pack 12, if you don't do it right, then no one's going to see it. And even if the other networks, they're all tied still to cable. It's some, you know, it's like a cable plus. So, okay, watch the big games on cable, but then all this other stuff plus if you're going right. just riding with amazon is only streaming then you know worst case scenario is you're the pac-12 that it's a figment of your imagination and doesn't even exist and now you're completely off the grid right yeah so i mean i think i think it's really just going to come down to who's desperate enough and i think the big 12 is the one that's most likely to be desperate enough to actually do something like that in terms of a big package deal um i i, I do think there is the possibility that someone like the big 12 or you know the pac-12 or someone could jump in with a, hey, Amazon wants some content, wants to, you know, kind of test the waters there and is going to jump in and see what they can do about a college football, you know, broadcast. And so they're going to jump in and do like one game a week. I could see that potentially happening. Um, but, you know, I do think it's going to be one of those two conferences that would do it first if Amazon even decides that that's how they want to do it. So, all right, uh, Kyle, any any other final thoughts before we get out of here? That's the end of our questions that we got on Twitter, um, you know, and, and, our, and our voicemail questions. So... Um, any, any other topics that either came up today or that you just want to share your thoughts on real quick? Uh, I don't think so outside of, there's just a lot of, uh, hope and uncertainty around here, whether it's realignment or football or whatever. I mean, uh, we're kind of at the mercy of just going in the moment. Uh, but I'm glad to have football back. It'll be interesting to see how this goes, you know, it, we're in the, we're in the nice blissful state where we can just talk ourselves into anything and nothing's been proven out yet. And so I guess right. my, my, my last thing was here, just like, just enjoy the next, you know, five days or whatever, where, uh, you get that blissful ignorance of, you know, anything is possible, uh, before hopefully nothing bad happens on Friday with, uh, South Dakota, but, uh, you know, it's just, we're, you know, it's, it's an interesting time, especially I think to be a KU fan, but, uh, I, I am, I'm going to remain, you know, blissfully optimistic for football until I'm proven otherwise. Uh, and hopefully I get maybe a couple weeks out of that. Like I'd love to get through Duke with still being able to maintain that, um, before we get into big 12 play. And then I know we won't want to talk about it yet, but you know, that basketball team is going to be loaded. So we should oh, yeah, have something sure. to look forward to. Right, exactly. You know, the life of a Kansas fan, you always have basketball to look forward to if things don't go super well in football. So at least we have that. So, all right, well, that is going to do it for us today. Just a quick, quick update because I happen to see it come across as I was looking at Twitter questions. The, the, the Kansas soccer team was in action today. They've had a fantastic start to the season. Um, you know, they, they are 2-1, and one, uh, winning their opener, losing against Wisconsin in the second game, but then they won today against Iowa 
um, you know, at, out, out at Rock Chalk Park, a, a 1-0 win. Uh, let's see. It looks like Sarah, Sarah Peters had an absolutely phenomenal performance in goal, uh, keeping Iowa from scoring. So absolutely fantastic for for Kansas there, the way that they have started the season. And I'm expecting the Kansas soccer team to be pretty good. It's been a rough start for the volleyball team. They've dropped their first two matches of the season. Um, but, you know, there were, were going to be some growing pains we knew for that team coming into the year. I am looking to try to get some some of the Olympic sports, uh, you know, either talked about, get some additional coverage there, uh, trying to get a few of the coaches or people that are th- affiliated with those programs so they can come on the podcast. We can actually talk a little bit about those. Um, but I will g- keep you guys updated on that for sure. But uh, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whereas Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast and get every episode as soon as it comes out. You can give us a rating and review. would love five stars and nice comments, but if you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, just contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. You know, you, you heard one today, but I, I'm always looking for more questions, more comments, suggestions, anything like that. So you can leave a voicemail by going to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message. And we, I promise we'll get your question or whatever it is you want to say onto the show as long as it's not entirely inappropriate. Um, but now that we're on the 1012 network, you can cover or catch all of the great shows that we have covering every team in the Big 12. I, of course, I'm over on the 1012 podcast every Monday coming out um, every single week, kind of recapping what's happened there. But we have a bunch of shows covering a bunch of other teams. Just go to 1012 network. That's at T-E-N-1-2-Network on Twitter, and you can catch the links to every single show we have on the network. It's absolutely fantastic. But that is going to do it for us today. Kyle, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.